Last week, my father was here, and the Lord used him to feed us with the message on loving one another. If we had stayed in Colossians last week, we would have heard a similar message about relationships between husbands and wives, parents, fathers in particular, and their children, and the structure that the Lord has instituted in the home and in the world around us. And though we may struggle with some of the words in that text, and we may disagree with how the interpretation manifests in actions and the beliefs of some, at the end of the day, Paul is giving us a structure that is built out of love. Love for each other, but truly and ultimately love for God. And so since the, the, the love aspect of life and relationships was so clearly handled last week, we are going to move on to the text for today, the text that will bring our series in Colossians to a close. Our text this morning is Colossians chapter 4. We'll be looking at verses 2 to 6. Paul is giving some final instructions to the church in Colossae, and in this text, Paul gives some parting wisdom for the church. The whole of Colossians has been examining and resting in the supremacy of Christ, Christ being who he says he is and having done what he says he did. And because of all this, we can have hope. And so in Colossians, we have over and over again seen how Christ is our hope. Today will be no different. We read the word of the Lord, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Thus ends the reading. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you would speak through your word this morning, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. We pray this in your name. Amen. This week, I read the story of a girl named Maddie. Maddie was invited for a sleepover at her friend Anna's house, and a few of their other friends would be there as well. Now, Maddie's mother called up Anna's mother and informed her that Maddie would be bringing along her lovey. And she was worried that Maddie might get teased by the other girls about her raggedy old blanket. The same blanket that she had slept with for 10 years straight. The blanket that had moved from her crib to her toddler bed to the top bunk. The blanket that had been on dozens of long car rides. The blanket that had soothed her when she felt lonely or hurt or afraid of the dark. When Maddie was around the people who knew her and loved her best, she was never afraid to bring the lovey into the light. But as she grew older, she began to keep it hidden from everyone else. She didn't really know why. Why did something that meant so much to her feel like it needed to be hidden? Somehow, the blanket had become a bit of a secret. Admitting that she slept with a lovey made her feel vulnerable and even a bit ashamed. In our text this morning, Paul is calling the church to pray 
He's calling the church to be devoted to prayer so much that we are ever watchful for things to bring before the Lord in prayer and also ready to bring thanks before the Lord in prayer. Paul then asked the church that they would be in prayer for him while he rots in prison, that that God would open a door for the message of the gospel to go forth even though he himself cannot. And then Paul does something rather curious, something that we often struggle to do. Paul, the man who is the most prolific church planter of the New Testament, the man who brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, the man who was so engulfed in the good news of Jesus that he wrote letters like Galatians and Romans and this letter to the Colossians detailing the heights of God's love for man and the depths of the grace that was poured out over us and his ability to keep these promises that he has made This prolific writer and evangelist, Paul, asks the church in Colossae to pray for him that he might proclaim the gospel clearly. Now, if anyone is going to proclaim the gospel clearly, it's Paul, right? Look at the dude's credentials. Look at all he has done. Look how God has used him. And yet, in spite of his accomplishments and his giftings, Paul asks for help where he feels weak. Remember, this is the man who, during a sermon, put a gentleman to sleep. This gentleman then proceeded to fall out of a window to his death. I can't know all of Paul's reason for making this request to the Colossian church, but there are definitely reasons. And so to us, when we look at his ministry and all that the Lord used him to do, preaching the gospel clearly looks like a strength of Paul's. But to Paul... To Paul, it was a place that he feels vulnerable. Vulnerability. Not a word that we really like. Not a concept we necessarily treasure. Brene Brown, a researcher at the University of Houston and an expert on vulnerability, did some research on the topic where she asked her participants to finish the following sentence. Vulnerability is blank. In one of her books, she shares some of the answers that she received. Vulnerability is starting my own business, calling a friend whose child just passed away, trying something new, getting pregnant after having three miscarriages, admitting that I'm afraid, having faith. After reading the many responses that she received, Professor Brown stated, Vulnerability sounds like truth and feels like courage. Sounds like truth and feels like courage. What a great understanding of vulnerability. It sounds like truth. So when we hear it, when we take it in, we know that the person who is being vulnerable with us is being truthful with us. They aren't hiding things from us. They are trusting us. And when we are the ones being vulnerable, it feels like courage. We're exposing ourselves to the critique of those to whom we are expressing our vulnerability. We are letting people know that we are flawed, that we have struggles. And some of those struggles embarrass us. Some of those struggles bring us shame. Being vulnerable feels like courage because it takes courage to let someone know of our weaknesses. And in this request for prayer from the Colossian church, the Apostle Paul models for the rest of us what vulnerability looks like. 
And he's telling us that it is an important role, to, that it has an important role to play in the mission of the church. Many of us have been to Bible studies or small groups or had times of prayer with other members of the church. During these times of prayer, it is often that we start, before we start praying, we take prayer requests. How often do we express vulnerability in our prayer requests? We're used to prayer requests about health and sickness. We're used to prayer requests for the physical needs of ourselves, our friends, or our loved ones. We've grown accustomed to prayer requests for protection for future endeavors, be it vacations or trips or work or daily life. We're familiar with prayer requests for wisdom and direction, but how often do we in the church take a page out of Paul's book and start our prayer request with the words, please pray for me because I'm struggling with blank. Please pray for me because I'm struggling with forgiving this person who has hurt me deeply. Please pray for me because I'm struggling with my relationship with my spouse or my in-laws or my parents or my siblings or my friends. Please pray for me because I'm struggling to overcome this particular sin in my life that just won't stop haunting me. Those are just a few examples. And I don't know what you individually would fill that blank with, but I know that each of us individually have something to put in that blank because each of us has something that we struggle with, that we need help with, that we need prayer for. Each of us has vulnerabilities and each of us struggles to express them. Now, I understand that vulnerability can be abused. I get that. And do not hear this as an encouragement to be vulnerable with everyone. And while I deeply encourage you to share your deep, dark sins with a trusted brother or sister in Christ, creating room for accountability and especially to be reminded of the promise of God's love and forgiveness, please do not share these deepest of vulnerabilities in a public setting, like prayer time after Bible study or following the communion service. What I'm trying to express is that our vulnerabilities are not limited to the worst of ourselves. Paul did not tell us what his thorn in his flesh, the thing that kept him humble, was. He didn't share in his letters all of the things that he struggled with, but he did share struggles. Our deepest struggles are not our only struggles. Let us share with our brothers and sisters in Christ some of our struggles and as those struggles are shared, let us remember that they aren't shared so that we can get a how-to lesson on how to deal with them or to be judged because of them. What does our text tell us today? That we are to pray alongside our brother and sister in their struggle. Let us listen and let us pray. And as our brother or sister repents, let us remind them of God's forgiveness for each of us needs it. As Christians, we are told to be like Christ. Yes, let us be like Christ, but let us also remember that we are not Christ. That we cannot be perfect, that we cannot do all that we had hoped that we could do, that we cannot be all that we had hoped that we could be. We cannot keep God's instructions perfectly. That's why Christ had to come in the first place. It is because we could not be perfect that Jesus took all of our imperfection upon his shoulders that he became sin for us, that he carried this sin, these imperfections, these things that we struggle with up the hill to Calvary, to Golgotha, to the place of the skull. 
And there he died for them in our place, paying the price for our imperfection, the price that we had no hope of paying. And then three days later, he rose from the dead, defeating sin and death. And when we believe in him, when we rest in the faith that God has given us, we are clothed in Christ. So that God no longer sees our sin and our failings, but instead sees the righteousness of Jesus. This is what the love of God did for us, each of us. For each of us needs the work of Christ. For each of us has things that we struggle with. Each of us has vulnerabilities. And it is important in relationship to be vulnerable with each other. As blogger Saida Zaidi writes, vulnerability helps to build intimacy in relationships. It increases self-worth, helps with motivation, promotes compassion and accountability. When we are vulnerable with each other, we feel less alone. Vulnerability is a key element of relationship building. This is true in the church, and it's also true outside the church. And sometimes we find it easier to be vulnerable with those outside the church, right? Because often those outside the church recognize that they don't have it all together. And often those inside the church are frantically trying to make everyone think that they do. But that's not how things are supposed to be. Being a Christian does not mean that we have all of our ducks in a row that we have our life in order, no matter how much we may have been told that that is the case. As the saying goes, the church is not a museum for saints, but a hospital for the broken. And as Jesus himself expressed this in Mark chapter 2, verse 17, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I've been to a few museums my wife keeps trying to get me a bit more cultured. And, and something that I've noticed about most museums is that they are quiet, somber places where everyone sits back and jealously admires the works of someone else. I've been to a few hospitals as well. And in hospitals, I've had people on gurneys rushed past me. And I've even had people that I love on some of those gurneys. I've heard people cry out in pain. I've seen people crumple in despair. And through it all, I've witnessed people who care, exposing themselves to the sickness around them, being stained by the blood of another as they seek to help that person heal and recover. I've seen people running beside the gurneys, whispering encouragement and support. I've seen arms around the crumpled, lending strength in times of sorrow and despair. In the museum, we see the standoffish admiration of the perceived greatness of someone's works. In the hospital, we see the vulnerable caring for the vulnerable. Church, let us care for the vulnerable. And so let us take Paul's words here in Colossians to heart when he writes, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let us care for the outsiders that are not yet part of our church and for those that have become a part of our church. Let us make the most of every opportunity that we might care for each other well, that through our own vulnerabilities we might build relationships with those God has called and are part of his flock and those who God is still calling but are yet wandering. Back at the slumber party, Maddie had a choice to make. 
be vulnerable with her friends and get her lovey out of her bag, or try to ignore the desire she had for the comfort that raggedy blanket provided. It didn't take her long to reach a decision. She walked slowly to the bedroom, unzipped her bag, and quietly pawed through her belongings until she found the love-worn blanket. With blanket in hand, Maddie slowly but determinedly strode into the living room to join her friends. Soon, one of the girls noticed that Maddie had a new accessory with her. What's that? she asked, pointing to the lovey. Maddie looked down at the blanket in her arms, sat on the couch, and then raised her chin, looking her friend in the eye, and then she spoke. She told her friends about how her mom's friend had made the blanket for her when she was a newborn. She told them of how it had traveled with her on hundreds of car rides, how she had once lost it in the park. She told them of how it had fallen apart a few years ago and Grandma had Sewing it back together, she showed them the long stitch mark that looked like a scar. All of the girls sat there listening. No one laughed. No one judged. And then, one by one, each of the girls got up and walked into the bedroom, and they unzipped their duffel bags. Out came raggedy blankets, a bear with a missing eye, and a plush doll. Every girl in the room was hiding a secret lovey in her bag. And then each friend took their own lovey into the living room and they took turns telling their stories. Stories about loveys loved, loveys lost, and loveys found again. The things that Maddie and her friends were hiding, the items that made them feel vulnerable, brought them joy. Often, the things that we hide, the things that make us feel vulnerable, bring us shame. In the story of Maddie and her friends, it is their loveys that are scarred. In the story of the church, in our story, it is our loveys that have scarred Christ. You see, the things that we have hidden and have been ashamed to talk about, have been ashamed to be vulnerable about. Christ took their scars in his nail-pierced hands and his nail-pierced feet. And so when we talk about our struggles, when we speak of them to others, it is not as the defeated, but as the forgiven. And so let us share our struggles with each other. Like Maddie and her friends, we do not know what struggles others are hiding. We do not know the stories that they have left unspoken, the secrets that have been kept, the baggage that is heavy but hidden. Church, let us be vulnerable with each other that we might rejoice together in the work that Christ has done on our behalf. That we might, we might remind each other of the forgiveness that we have in Jesus. Let us celebrate together the tangible work of Christ in our lives. Let us celebrate the repentance that he has called us to and the forgiveness that he has lavished over us. Let us pray for each other. And as we tell our stories, may our relationships blossom as we empathize and encourage each other through the struggles that we each face. And as we are vulnerable, let us rejoice in the God that became vulnerable for us. The all-powerful, invincible, almighty God who gave up his invincibility and who became vulnerable to death that he might die in our place. 
And then that he might rise from the dead and defeat our darkest enemies, sin, sin and the grave. Christ became vulnerable for us, and so we have hope in vulnerability. For we have hope in Jesus Christ. I pray that this time in Colossians has been an encouragement to you. As we have gone through the word of the Apostle Paul and seen how there is hope to be found in Christ Jesus and that Christ is ultimately the root of all of our hope, he is the true hope, the hope that will never disappoint. What a fantastic, loving, and gracious God we serve. 